as a photographer, my standpoint, what I, I my priorities on, my lenses, my cameras, my heart involves in, you know, how the pictures are, are coming out. This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today, folks, today we are going to Norway. We're talking with Anne Helena Gelsted, who is a portrait photographer, a fine art portrait photographer with a stellar, stellar resume. She is professionally trained. She's worked in commercial settings with uh, magazines and businesses. She's got a book out there, which we're going to be talking about in just a few seconds. But you, you talk about success. In 2017, she got a silver and a bronze medal uh, from the Norwegian Photographers Association National Competition. In 2018, one of her pictures was named Portrait of the Year. Uh, in 2019, she she was back on the team and she won another gold medal. Um, I mean, just it goes all over the place. All About Photo, that outlet, placed her on the list of best modern photographers in February of 2021. And Helena, how are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Scott. I'm doing fine. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so honored. <laughs> well, your work is really, really impressive work. But I, I want to do something a little bit unusual here. I want to take the first couple of minutes, and I don't want to talk about photography. Because I was reading in your book, I was reading in the introduction, and, and I do believe that our other lives, our other interests really do inform our photography. And for 25 years, you say you were a fashion designer in Oslo. You had your own studio. Tell, tell me about becoming a fashion designer. What drew you to that? And, and tell me about that part of your life first. Well, I think we need to go back. When I was a young girl, I wanted to be a photographer. And okay. then the advisor at school, she said, oh, no, that's so hard. You cannot do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, I listened to her. So I took, like, the uh, the normal study of English and grammar and such on. And then my father said, well, you need to go a year and study some sewing. I can see you need to get outlet for your creativity. At that time, you could learn sewing and weaving in Norway one year each. And then I got another teacher and she said, you certainly should uh, apply to go to the Norwegian National Academy of Crafts and Art Design because you should be a fashion designer. And I listened to her, even if it was hard. <laughs> <laughs> this is so, what you get for listening to your teachers. But, and okay. that's a good story because we need to be very careful about who we are listening to because mm -hmm. it can determine... Uh, uh, our direction in life. So that put me uh, back to school, studying fashion for four years, started to work as a designer, which led me eventually to Estonia, which is what my book project is about. But it right. was a long, long story, you know, because it's also hard to work as a fashion designer as well as a photographer. But when you have the urge in you to create, you do what you have to do. Oh, absolutely. Well, that, 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 that brings me to two questions then. What kind of work were you designing? What, what were your fashions like? And then that world had to put you in contact with a lot of photographers. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, t tell me sort of what you were doing in the transition then into photography. 
Well, I was lucky enough that I started to work with, at that time, the most famous Norwegian uh, fashion designer. His name was William. He worked with all, you know, celebrities and such kind of people. And um, that uh, made me even able to make uh, clothes for our, at that time, crown princess, later our queen, which is Queen Sonia today. So I was really lucky. I, I learned from the best. I started to work with the best. And uh, I also was very interested in knitting, so I started to work with the Norwegian companies doing knitting design. I was lucky to make costumes for the Norwegian participants in European Song Contest, so I've seen quite a bit. I also worked with uh, clothes for films, pro film production, and uh, at that one time I decided, okay, now I've been doing a lot of, lot of commercial work, I need to do something good for women. That brought me to Estonia, this island called Hiuma, which is a bigger island than the little one I started to photograph later on. And I started my business, my knitting studio there. At one time when I was about to close down, I had 10 employees. You, you say in your introduction that you opened th this knitting company, Close Knit World, to make yeah. a difference for unemployed women. So th yeah. there, there, there was a social proactiveness going on there already at, at the beginning. Why did you decide on that? I felt that was my uh, urge to do something good. I, I had a need to to do something, do lives better for women. At that time, it was nine years after the Soviet Union had collapsed. Uh, Estonia was a very poor country. It was possible to get workers there, and it was possible because we had we worked with uh, fine art knitting or hand small knitting machines, and uh, we imported yarn from Peru. So we made fine clothes, kind of handwork, also kind of expensive things. And uh, that gave bread on the table for families for five and a half years, which I'm quite proud of, actually. Oh, that, that is wonderful. But, you know, Anne Helena, so you've got this really successful career. Your work obviously is good and it's being rewarded. You've got a, a socially proactive, wonderful company started. And yet you then make a change. You, you, you say, okay, I am actually deep in my soul a photographer. I mean, everything's going right. How and why did you make the change? It was not really going right because the economy in Estonia was getting better, which means uh, every time I came back, the woman asked for more money. <laughs> Everything was getting more expensive there, which is natural. It's no, no bad feelings. It was the natural process. You know, Estonia soon became a member of European EU also, and things were moving forward. So it wasn't really possible to earn money. I worked like all I gave all I had, but I couldn't make any money for me. And okay. uh, at the same time, I had started to pick up photography because as a designer, I needed pictures of the designs that we made. I was really uh, tired. I had worked and worked and worked. And I decided, okay, now is the time to do something else. I don't know if I will if I will go on, I will be really, really exhausted, and I don't, I didn't know what to do. So this is another good story. I borrowed one hundred thousand Norwegian crowns from my father, which is like ten thousand dollars, and I had a close down of my company uh, in a nice way. I paid all the wages and behaved good. And I was able to pay back. I had a, a final sale, so I was able to ba pay back my father most of the money he borrowed to me. 
And uh, when you behave nice, people say, okay, you can come back. Doors were opening for me later as I have studied photography. I could come back and do my main project with which the book and things we will talk about later. So the, the good lesson here is that you need to, to do your best all the time and pay if you are possible for you to help the people in the right way and behave nicely. So now, this is, this is advice people need to listen to versus the advice of your teachers. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you are absolutely right. So, okay. You're taking images of your fashions and, and you know, you're getting into a little bit of, you know, product uh, photography, fashion photography. Where did the interest in portraits come along? Because if, you know, if anybody looks at your website, anybody looks at your uh, contributions, you know, to the web in, in general, you do an awful lot of really, really elegant portraits. But you could have gone into landscape. You could have gone into a thousand other things. Why, why, why were portraits appealing to you? Uh, I think I need to see if I can get in contact with what lies in between, you know, in the depth of people, soulful portraits, people that the portrait that means something to the people that are on the picture and also to the viewer. That's my goal to make something that you can have, have for a hundred years if possible. That's also a story. I have a picture in my, my, my living room and it is this, uh, taken in 1929 and it's two ladies there this is my grand great grandmother and her sister and a little boy my father he is almost five years old and this is taken on the women's 50s birthday and why is the great uh, the grandchild my father in the picture yes because when he was born 15 days after his mother died so he lived with his grandparents so my great-grandmother, she took him with her to the photographer. I have also seen this uh, picture in the living room of my great-grandmother's sister. And of course, my father wasn't in that picture. Something was missing. And that's also my goal, to take pictures that people have for a long, long time. So this one, which is a huge, brown, beautiful picture with wooden frame and so on, it has been in my great-grandmother's home. It has been in my parents' where I grew up, and now it's on my in my living room. And I so uh, highly appreciate, and I'm so happy for that, that one picture, meaning so much. You can think almost 100 years ago it was taken, and it was a huge investment at that, that time. And I look at it every day. And I think, okay, that's my goal. I want to give people something special. And Helena, are, are you at heart a, a historian? Because you're talking to me about this very old picture. And again, I'm going back to the introduction of the book, where you say, as a young girl, I was always attracted to the older women in my family. I wanted to know their stories and how life was back then. D does history attract you as a photographic subject? Absolutely. I love Why, why I love is that? Yeah, well, it's just who I am, I think. And I've always loved old stories, old pictures, old people, and the respect for the people that has been before us, respect for the photographers that has been before me, learning from them, le learning from their work. That is amazing me, uh, all these uh, stories the pictures are telling. There are stories implied in all of your images, yes. And and everybody, it, it's annehelenagelstad.com, A-N-N-E-H-E-L-E-N-E-G-J-E-L-S-T-A-D.com. Beautiful, beautiful website. And Helena, you have made a distinction in your writing between portraits and fine art portraits. What's the difference? 
uh, I think when you come to fine art, for me, it's to do more than having a hand-painted backdrop, which is very popular these days. You know, people make a more moody picture and they use beautiful hand-painted backdrop and kind of fine art. Uh, but I think for me, it, uh, my perspective is that I want to do something a little bit more like a painting. I work a lot with the backgrounds, but the person is not having so many flower crowns or so much uh, <laughs> uh, into that. I, I love these honest pictures and then do something extra to the backdrops or back background, adding other images or things from the museum sometimes, or apart from a Chinese book I have been using. And I love doing that work, uh, something I wanted to work more with. I can sit at the computer and Photoshop for hours with details, and it makes me so happy to to learn something new and make it better. And uh, yeah, it makes me really happy to do these things. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. man, I, 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 we should start counting the hours that all of us spend sitting at a computer playing with Lightroom or Photoshop or whatever. I'm, I'm looking at your website and I'm looking at your fine art portraits. Is there an image here that has a particular story behind it? Is there one that you can say, I got to tell you what happened that you don't see? Well, that's a good question. I'm not prepared for that, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, well tell, me about, tell me about the very first one, the, the young woman with the dog. I think it's a Sheltie. She, she's holding the dog in her arms and the dog's sort of sideways looking at you like, what's going on here? Uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a wonderful image. Tell me how that came to be. Yeah, well, they came with the dog and she said, I really want to take a picture with my dog. And this is how I usually hold him and hold, um, how I usually cuddle him. <laughs> and uh, his name is Dennis. And I had just lost my previous dog, uh, a standard silver. Uh, and I was really feeling, oh, I'm so sad, but this was so good to work with. And um, so it's a simple, uh, simple picture. The girl, she was wearing jeans, which I had to make like a dress. So it's not really much Photoshop expect, except for the background of backdrop, which yep. I added some textures, okay. working with colors and the stu structure of the colors. And, um, and uh, it's also a picture that they have big on their wall. Oh, so, very good. Yeah, yeah it's nice. They, I, I really like doing these things. Do you have a complicated studio setup? Have you got, you know, a hundred lights and, and you know, five different cameras going at the same time? Oh, you would laugh. I love to work very simple. And uh, I was avoiding studio lights for such a long time. And then I learned to use like a big octabox feathering and make the large uh, and big uh, V flats around white, uh, white walls around so that it is the light is bumping. Uh, mm -hmm. And I work so simple. I don't use a light meter. I look at my camera. Uh, uh, I work very, very simple and I like the connection with people and then I fix something later in post if I'm missing it. Or I can also say, okay, let's do something else. Let's try out. And uh, I think it's important when you work very simple, uh, you also get a good contact with people. It's not about the technique at all. It's uh, I like plain light. I like uh, gray days. I don't like sunlight, sunshine. Um, I like this even light in everything. So when I finally learned that I could uh, use light with a the feathering, then all came together. And I also use a lot of film-like LED light sometimes. Okay. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about another picture of yours. And you have three different galleries under fine art portraits on your website. And, and in the first gallery, there's a picture of a young woman sitting in a chair. I, I want to talk about that in just a second. But you just said something that caught my ear. You know, you, you said you work very simply and, and you can fix something in post-production. And a couple of minutes ago, you talked about how much you love sitting down and, and creating something in post-production. Is, is that a difference for you, you know, between the, the creative act versus repair? Um, or is it all bound up in the same thing? No, I think it's bound up in the same thing. And I, I also think that uh, I look every time when I take a picture, I think, okay, if it's not perfect, what can I do in post? Uh, if it's like a tree sticking up of a head or something, how can I, like, how can I fix it because I don't like that? Or how can I work with the horizon? Or And learning the craft is, uh, for me, it's so fun. I, I, I love watching tutorials and learning from other people and then put it all together in what I care for them. Because if I first emerge and I say, okay, the clothes is not right, I, I will always know how to to repair something or use the liquify or, uh, yeah. Let's take just a quick break. We hope very much that you are enjoying today's episode. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that photography means a lot to you. And if that's the case, you might want to have a look at Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. We truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit readframes.com to find out more about our publication. And now, back to today's conversation. Yeah. Do, do you know the picture that I'm going to ask you about here? The first one in your first gallery under fine art, the young woman uh, wearing some kind of a brown shirt sitting in a brown chair. Do you know that image? Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah, there are two things about this image um, that I want to ask you about, because I think it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful portrait. Number one it is your contact with the young woman there, because if she's looking right at the camera, she's got a look on her face, which is really wise and compelling. So I, I have sort of a content question, but then I got a craft question, too. You've got a depth of field thing going on here. You've got soft focus all around her. You've got the beautiful uh, color tones. So tell me about the interaction, but tell me about the craft as well. Yeah, this is also a good story because uh, V Spears, the photographer, she was in Oslo three years ago holding a workshop and I decided, okay, I love to meet V Spears. She is a great person. So this is, uh, at, at the workshop with her, the intention was to work with our own style and our own concepts. And I was, I had just finished my book, what, I'm, what am I going to do now? How can I work further on? So the image... Uh, it's a, a shot in uh, with a blue velvet back, background, <laughs> like okay. a, a cloth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chair was really beautiful. It's an old uh, ruined chair. And uh, this girl, she has something amazing about her. So I just prepared uh, the shoot. I had this um, the clothes that she's wearing, the blouse I had bought on some thrift store. And okay. I thought, hey, that's perfect for this. And I just said, can you please sit down and look at me? 
just sit. That's very often how I how I work. I just want you to look at me, and uh, she did. And uh, I found out that this picture. I want to see what I can do with the background. So the background is all done in post production, with layers upon layers of textures. Uh, and the coloring as well. And uh, she's sitting there and with her, it's not really much um, editing. I think maybe her uh, knot on her hair is from another picture okay. <laughs> taken at the same time. The top, you know, I don't know what you call it, her bun. Yes. Yeah. But uh, this is how I like people to be portrayed. That is a simple setting. The light is uh, lead lights. Very simple uh, LED lights because then I know what I can get. And uh, this workshop means so much to me because I felt all of a sudden, okay, this is what I'm going to do further on. I wanted to go on with this style. I had some pictures that I showed V Spears and she said, okay, you should do this. This is what you feel for. So it was a really important uh, time for me. Oh, well, it (laughs) it is. I I mean, I'm... All of your images really do speak of, of high quality and craft and an artistic vision. Um, and to lead off this gallery with this one is just enticing because it is beautiful. And I love the I love the expression on her face. Yeah. Um, it, it is simple, but it, it is also wise. It, it's, you know, tremendous work. Now, we, we've mentioned a couple of times and, and we have to get to it. You have a book out there that is not only really, really beautiful, I believe it's it's an important book too. It's called Big Heart, Strong Hands, and, and you call it a meeting with the older women in culture uh, on these Estonian islands. What, walk us through, even before you took the first, or you knew you were taking the first image, where did this idea come from? And, and tell me how this whole project got started. Okay, well, we go back. I told you about my work in Estonia. Right. And uh, the summer of 2005, I was uh, in the Nordic Knitting Symposium, which is a group of knitters that are going around in in, uh, the northern countries and uh, teaching knitting. So that led me to this culture, which is called the Kichno Cultural Space. So 2005, I was there as a designer, and I was really fascinated by this culture and the women that I met. And at that time, I didn't know that I was going to quit my knitting business. But I took some pictures, and uh, one of those pictures, life unfolded, and I decided to apply for a photography class or school here in Oslo, which goes Builder Nordic School of Photography. And one of the pictures from this uh, culture was from that trip. And uh, when you come to school, you started to learn something and you see, <laughs> you learn that photography is a huge field. It's so big, you know, everything you need to learn and you cannot do it all. But I tried to learn as much as I could because I'm a, now I'm 66 and I started out when I was 50 years, which means I was older than the mothers of my <laughs> 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 Which means that I had to learn as much as I could, as quickly as I could, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, that was uh, that was uh, my intention to see. Okay, well, I want to go back. I need to find the project that I, that I care for. And as I told you uh, earlier, I behaved nicely in Estonia. I paid my bills. Everybody was satisfied. I didn't cheat on anything. So the door was open for me when I said, "Oh, I want to go here. I want to meet people in this little place." Can somebody help me to knock on the doors? Because you need somebody to help you when you come to another place, right? Right. 
another culture. You cannot just be on the door and say, hey, I'm on Helene from Norway. I want to take your picture. That doesn't work that way. <laughs> so they were very friendly and uh, I started to take some pictures and I, of course, said, okay, I like to want, because I'm a textile person and I've been working with knitting all my life and all of these things, I thought I was going to make a book about knitting culture or handicrafts, which is a huge part of this culture. When I was back there in 2008, this old lady died and I was asked by one of the other ladies to photograph her funeral and that turned everything for me. Then I understood that I had to work with old ladies, old culture that is changing very quickly and everything is getting more Western now there. And I, I was on the right track, so I decided to concentrate on the old culture, the old women, the handicrafts, the history everything that was interesting to me and I thought it was important also for other people to to see this culture and understand learn a little bit about other people's life and of course a part of Soviet Union and everything that is going on right now now I'm, I'm scrolling through your book here just as fast as I can was this Koski Lida that was your first um yeah. Yeah, that was the funeral that turned everything upside down for me. And I thought, okay, that was such an, a special moment to be in this funeral with the women and, and see her lying there and the beauty of how they were give, saying goodbye to her and everybody dressed up in blue clothes. Yes, well, they borrowed me clothes and uh, so emotional and so grateful for that uh, trust that they gave to me and that it turned out to be a beautiful picture as well, of course. It, yes, and, and, and a, a moving story within your book. Now, these are clearly related to your studio portraits, but there's not a single one of these that, that are taken in a studio that, that I can tell. And it's, it, you know, you're after the heart and soul of these women. And, and these women are, they're rel- well, they're very old in some cases, but relatively old. Tell me what you're hoping each of these images evokes. What what part of their culture are you trying to give voice to here? First, I think it is important when you do such pictures that you try to include their surroundings and that that people are like in an honest place. It does not you cannot move things around. You have it right. has to be genuine. And uh, I was also lucky enough to learn from Marielle Mark. And uh, she was a big point of helping me in this because she said, you know, when you come with a portrait and you get close up, she said, you need to include everything, tell the fuller story, include everything in their homes, tell the story, be honest. You hit on one of the things that I think is very important and that I get from your work in, in that these are all visual stories. You are not taking static pictures, you know, like you might in a, in a studio where you say this is fine art and this is beautiful. Every single one of these, there is a narrative. I'm, I'm looking at an image right now. It's it's page 57 in the book of a woman sitting in a cemetery. There's a bunch of crosses yeah. Uh, yeah. in the background. Mm-hmm. And I obviously don't know that story, but boy, oh boy, do I want to know that story. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, do you remember that image? What is the story uh, there? Absolutely. And uh, it was uh, kind of an All Saints Day. The women uh-huh. were gathering at the, uh, at the cemetery to and sitting on the different graves. And uh, I noticed her because I hadn't seen her earlier. And uh, with my translator, uh, I got and said to her, hello, I'm 
on Helene and uh, she said, uh, oh, soon I will be here. This is the first person. She's this is the same as the person, the woman on the uh, um, cover of my book. Okay. And uh, she was sitting at the grave of her parents and her husband. And uh, so I spent some time with her. I was able to follow her home. Uh, she didn't speak anything but Estonian, but I picked up a few things so I could com- communicate a little bit and say it's nice to be old and go to the light and... Uh, <laughs> Let's have a hug and some such things, which is, is really important that you try to communicate, even if you can't. You can communicate with hands and uh, and hugs and uh, show that you understand a little bit about them and that they are respectful and and things. And uh, I really love that picture myself. Yeah. Is it is it difficult to work as a photographer? Is it difficult to work with a translator? Uh, not for me. Okay. That worked, that worked fine. And um, in school, I also learned some German. So with one of few of the ladies, I was speaking very bad grammar German. <laughs> but that worked <laughs> fine because uh, she didn't speak better German as well. So we communicated and they know that I, they know me after I've been there many times. They know that I'm a handicraft person, that I, I can use the big hand looms and such things. But of course, uh, you should... Uh, of course, nicer when you can speak with people, but it works okay. Uh, I have a li- little story I want to tell you about this picture because sure. I was sending it into an international competition. And when I got the feedback from the jury, the person, which I think is a female, but I don't know, said that this looks a cartoon, like a cartoon. And uh, I was really, it, that made me so upset. And I also sent in two pictures from the same lady and she was wearing the same clothes. And the comment was that, oh, I can see that you have taken the pictures on the same day. People are wearing the same clothes. And I thought, okay, I'm wearing the same clothes every day for one or two weeks because I'm too busy to change. And uh and poor people, they don't have a choice. That was really, that made me so sad and so upset that I decided, okay, no more sending into that competition. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you need to know what you, are do- what you are doing. You would never say that a pe- person should change clothes. I mean, people wear what they have and they are who they are. And you cannot say that an old lady looks like a cartoon. I mean, I just wanted to say I think it's really important that we also decide who we, where we want to compete or what we, that people have different opinions out there. And if we like our work, somebody else will like it. And uh, I think Abs- that's Absolutely. I mean, the, even with the best intentions, there are teachers and judges and all sorts of people out there who don't get what we're trying to do. And you just need to say, well, okay, this is not a good match uh, and move on. There are very few pictures in the book that, that are not of people. There's a motorcycle. There's a couple landscapes, you know, this kind of stuff. But, but there's also a little bit of humor in this book. I'm looking at a picture of a rooster right now. Yeah. It's a, you know, it, it's a colorful rooster. But on the page facing the rooster, you have a woman dressed in clothing that absolutely reflects and, and mirrors the plumage of the rooster. Why, why did you put those two together? Oh, I had to. 
<laughs> it was no way around it. And uh, I think I, desi- I designed the book myself also. I put everything together. Okay. Uh, and I, it's really important, the sequence in the book and also the pictures that you are adding in the, in the book because uh, it cannot be a book with only portraits. That it will, you will be worn out like a viewer if it's just portraits. You need something to for quieting your eyes or, you know, like the landscapes. It's important to see where people actually are living. This is their surroundings. The rooster because of the colors and everything, of course. And uh, it's also, you need to think how to match images uh, in the pages. Some pictures can be small, some need to be big, some need to correspond in colors. And I think this was a pair that had to be together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the corresponding colors are right there. But, yep. you know, a, a lot of your book is, is poignant and nostalgic and, and really reverential. So, and then it was just wonderful to come up on that page, which has a little bit of, of light humor in it uh, as well. Oh, it's um, interesting that you say that because I'm thinking, I think it's really pretty as well. Ah, <laughs> it, 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 is, it is very pretty. You know, these are all posed, well, I should say the majority of them are posed pictures, but not formal pictures. They're, they're not static. How, how did you tell people just, you know, stand there and let me take your picture? Did you give them any kind of instruction as to what you were looking for? Well, the women that you were just talking about in the orange top, she was just sitting there in the barn and doing the onions for the winter. So that is just, I just happened to go in and look, what are you doing? And the light was beautiful. Okay, I take some pictures. And then sometimes we need to see, okay, you can sit here. Let's go outside. Let's see how your living room is. Okay, the living room is dark. We need to open the curtains, open the door, get the light in, because all images are taken with natural light. So we need to work with what we have. But uh, it never works to ask people to pose. It looks uh, fake in a way or posed in a way. So if they can be who they are, some some of the images are more like the documentary and some are the woman with the cow, for instance, she wanted to go down to the field to her cow and uh, there she was. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's important to know that with all of these women, you have a narrative, uh, a text narrative that goes along with them. So there is much more that you see in, in the normal photo book. There is a story going along with each of them. I'm looking at, I, I probably pronounced Tidu Marie, Tidu yeah. Marie, uh, right there. And the opening line uh, in the text is, is you know, Maria is the spirit of a young girl and the face of an older woman. And under her kerchief, her hair is long and still dark for her age. And I, I scan back to the picture uh, and there you can just see it. You can just see that spirit of a young girl in the face of an old woman together in her eyes and her smile and her cheekbones and stuff. Did the writing part of it fill up an, an awful lot of your creative energy? Was it difficult? The thing is that I got the I got a guilt from the Norwegian Nonfiction Writers and Translators Association, and uh, that allowed me to work on the text for four months. Oh my! Uh, yeah, which uh, and uh, so I was I I did the writing in English. Of course, I had help from my publisher to do <laughs> to <laughs> like uh, cleaning up my text. But uh, uh, when I started to go into the text, I learned or into the stories, I learned so much more about the culture. It was really important part of the work, not only the pictures, but the stories about the culture, how it was to grow up there. 
I used, I am giving a few lectures and I always th- started to talk about the women did all the clothes themselves. But as I started to go more into the stories and more into the text, I learned it started with the sheep. They had to have good wool themselves. So it's the breeding of the sheep and then the cutting of the wool and then they had to wash the wool and they had to spin the yarn and they had to go to the the little islands or islet around uh, Kishno Island to find plants and um, and leaves to color the yarn and uh, some of the yarn to get the blue color. They use urine and they cooked it in the kitchen for three weeks to get the blue color. So it's not only making the clothes, it's starting with the wool and the sheep. And uh, and that was, I can really recommend if we are going to do things like that, uh, if it is possible to go deeper and learn more about the culture. It has been really interesting and very important for the project, I think. You know, so many photographers, and this is a tough lesson just in terms of our daily routines, you know, getting in the way. So many photographers talk about the value of research. And in your text, in your introduction, you did a lot of research about World War One, about the Great Depression, about the Soviet era. I mean, you know as much about this culture as any historian studying this culture. Does that make you a better photographer? I th- I, it makes me a better person. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and I think also a better photographer because uh, uh, on the way, when you take a lot of pictures, you also have to make selections and decide what you want to keep and what you don't want to keep for different r- reasons. I, for instance, was also lucky enough to have uh, an hour uh, portfolio review with Sig Harvey, which you might know. She's a great photographer as well. And she said, at that time, I had just been in Estonia or in Kishno Island in summertime. And she said, you need to go to the wintertime and they take pictures in the winter. And I said, oh, no, don't say that. I've been traveling five years in the winter in Estonia. Don't let me go back. <laughs> it's cold. It's it's really hard, but but of course she was right, and uh, I'm so happy that I did, and I'm so happy that I spent so many years on understanding all of this and learning the craft. I, I could nothing about photography when I started. I didn't know shutter speed, for instance, so my my first images they were <laughs> blurry, and then you have to go back. You have to go back till you have what you need, which has been a good lesson also, and then include. Uh, uh, and for me, of course, uh, as a textile designer, as a handicraft person, to write about the, the knitting and the skirts, which they are really famous for, and what the colors are meaning, and everything in my life got together in this project, so to say. Well, it, it is a, a remarkable, profound project. And I, I got to tell you, one of my favorite images is, is Luha Man uh, from 2009. Just the, the look on her face, the way she's looking at you. Uh, I, I wish I could have been in that room at that time. Great picture. I got one more question for you, and it's, it's about the book. Uh, and it goes back to your introduction, where you say, this book must be viewed as my personal story. Why is this book and how is this book about you? It really means that everybody has their own way of seeing things, right? Some can say a glass is half full, some can say it's half empty, some can say it was a good day, some can say it was a bad say it was a bad day. As a photographer, my standpoint, what I, I my priorities on, my lenses, my cameras, my heart involves in you know how the pictures are are coming out, my sense of colors, my editing, because Photographing in so many years, I have used like five 
bodies of cameras and uh, six or seven lenses, and it need to look kind of the same things. But also when writing the stories, I've spoken with a lot of women, of course, and then I'm finding things on the internet and in books. But uh, uh, since I don't speak Estonian, I needed to get some translations and then put it all together as honest as I could. So it needed to be said that this is my story. It's not exactly how it is, because some people will say, okay, it wasn't exactly like that, but... uh, something you know so it makes me uh, more free in delivering my my vision and my book because i can tell this is how i see it it was very very well received so i got the official letter of appreciation from the estonian government in 2020 <laughs> which was pretty nice by the way so they, oh. they kind of liked my work then yeah i did not know that that is really cool that's really yeah. sweet well, everybody, Big Heart, Strong Hands is the book. The website we've told you about, the fine art portraits, the other work is all really, really, really compelling. And Helena, thank you very much. This has been a really special interview. Thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me. And we had just a good time and I wish you the best. Hopefully I will see you one day. I would love that. It would be wonderful to get together. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Frames. Because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.